This week, I had the joy of driving to Atlanta and being with Amanda and Jack and Allison and Austin and, and, and GW, and it was good that I was able to go up there and not have to pull away from my family to study. I think that's healthy. I know it's healthy for me. It's also healthy as a church that you hear from many voices. And if, if Sandra is good enough to teach our children, she's good enough to teach us. And so, yeah, she's been around a long time, and she is incredible at what she does. And I don't apologize for allowing our other pastors to have pulpit time to be able to communicate what God is saying to them. It's healthy. It's great for me. It's great for you. So would you please welcome one of the greatest children's pastors in Christianity, Sandra Lear. Give it up for Sandra. You're going to do great. You're going to do great. Good morning. This is an honor, and I get to talk to you about something that really is passionate to me. So, thank you. All right. Um, as I was preparing, I thought, God, how am I gonna, how am I gonna open it? And I had some thoughts. First of all, I have this because those worship songs brought back a memory of a special friend that's not here with us today. So I'm going to get through this. I don't know about you parents, but I know there are times when I need away from my children. And I am a better mom for stepping away from my children. When I had three of our four little ones, youngest being um, in and out of the hospital, sick. And then I had one that was only a year and a half, two years maybe at this point, who was my strong-willed, high-maintenance child. So I was taking care of one and chasing after her. And I had another one that was very easy and very compliant. Thank you, God. <laughs> but Chuck would come home from work and amidst all of that, I would be here working in a classroom. At the time, I was a, a four-year-old teacher. Some of your children were in my class. And I'd been touched all day. Miss Sandra, Miss Sandra, Miss Sandra, Miss Sandra. And then I'd go home with my own three children. And my husband would come home after he'd driven all the way from Sanford. And I would go, welcome home. Here is the baby. I'm gone. And I did. And at the entrance of our neighborhood was a racetrack, and they got to know me very well. And I would go and have what I would call a Dr. Pepper on the rocks. <laughs> and I would sit in that parking lot for probably about 20 minutes and enjoy my Dr. Pepper. Sometimes I'd get home, I wasn't completely done with it, and I'd see these eyes poking out the window, where's mommy, where's mommy? I'm not ready, guys, I'm not ready. All that to say, we at times need to be separated from our children to be a better person, to be a better mom. But God does not want to be separated from his children. God wants to always be with his children. And not just in the same room. He wants to be with you and in you. And the separation started back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate that 
fruit that they shouldn't have eaten. And there was separation when God had to kick him out of the garden. And I have to believe that that broke his heart because he didn't want to be separated from his people. So we had to make a plan. And I am going to start with that plan in Exodus, if you want to turn with me, Exodus 33, 7 through 11. You see, we're talking about dwelling God or dwelling place. I want to call him dwelling God. And dwelling means to reside, to live, to stay, to make your home, to settle among. God wants to dwell. In Genesis, in Exodus, when um, the Israelites were wandering, God had to make a plan. And Moses would pitch a tent outside of the camp. And when everybody saw him walking to that tent, they knew he was going to meet with God. That was the meeting place. Now Moses took a tent and set it up outside the camp. Far away from the camp, he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside of the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand, each one at the door of their own tent. And they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of the tent, they would stand then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord spoke with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to camp. But his assistant, a young man, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave inside the tent. Moses would leave and Aaron would stay. That was a place where Moses would go meet with God and dwell with God. And all of this was happening while God had already given them blueprints to make a place he could dwell with his people and not just Moses and Aaron. And that was the tabernacle. You see, God wanted to dwell with his people and he needed a plan. So he had given them, and if you want to read it at home, it's Exodus chapters 25 through 40. God had given them a blueprint. God had given them a layout of what this would be. And it was going to be God's holy home. It was designed just like God's holy home. It was a sacred place designed by God. It was a version of the upcoming temple that Solomon would build. It was a portable temple. And it always stayed in the center of their camp. When they would get up and move, they'd pack it up and move it. And then they'd open it up again. So eventually that was built and all of the people could dwell. But God didn't want to just dwell with them inside of a structure. God wanted to dwell among them. So there still was a plan. And that plan 
needed a man. See, we learned already, or we will actually, we haven't learned yet this year, have we? It's not been Christmas yet. We learned Emmanuel, God with us. At Christmas, we'll talk a lot more about that. But God wanted to dwell among his people. So if you open to John 1.14, you will see that God didn't just dwell in a temple. God sent his son to dwell with us. John 1.14, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. The word made his dwelling among us. He was with us in person. See, Jesus came to be with us because God wanted to be with his people and not just in a tent. He needed even a bigger plan that he actually had orchestrated probably back from the very beginning because he knew Jesus would make a way, a way not to only be among us, but one day to be within us. See, Christ gave us a way. He came, he lived, he showed us how to live. And I'm probably talking to some people that are like, okay, we already know this. But Jesus was our example Jesus showed us how to love. He showed us how to serve. He showed us how to take care of each other. He wanted us, when he left, to carry that on. But he had to go. When he left to go up to his heavenly home, he did that so he could send his friend, our friend, our best friend, the Holy Spirit. And if you turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, we learn that we have become adopted. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you? God's Spirit is in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are where the Holy Spirit, we are where God wants to reside within us. So he wants to be within us, he wants to be among us, and he wants to live through us. But now I'm going to go on to where I'm really going to spend a lot of my time, and that is dwelling with God. God is our dwelling place. But he wants us to dwell with him. So how do we do that? Um, for some, I might be getting very practical, but hopefully it's a reminder. And for those of you who are just learning about the Holy Spirit, I hope that I can bring this in a way that you will truly understand. And if not, please don't leave this place without talking to one of his pastors or a close friend that you know understands who the Spirit of God is within you. Because it's important when you leave today that you don't leave confused and not understanding. 
do you dwell with God? We just did it in church, in corporate worship. This is a place to come and dwell, worship in song, worship with the word. I have a friend who used to sit down there, and she understood dwelling in corporate worship. If you sat around her, you would hear her voice. I could walk in the office and hear her singing. She understood this was a place of worship. And I don't say that because I want her to be the example. I say that because it was him through her that reminded so many of us that this was a place to come, to worship, to dwell, and to be filled. You see, Ephesians 2, 21 and 22 talks about how we are a place of worship. The whole building began, the whole building being put together by him, grows into a holy sanctuary. That's the people. We are the sanctuary. You also are being built together for God's dwelling in spirit. You see, we can come here and we can dwell and we can worship, but we can also go across the street and do it in the field. We can also do it upstairs with the kids. We do not have to be in this building to have corporate worship. Where two or more gathered, he is there. It's important that we do it together. And then I have a question. How many of you have a plaque or a sign or something in your home that says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Your home is a place where he dwells. However, if we have that up in our home, do we truly understand it? Do we truly live by it? Do we truly believe that for me and my house... Or is it just something we have up to look at? Because we need to understand that our home is a dwelling place for God. God's spirit dwells in our home. And parents, your kids don't have to be busy every day after school. It breaks my heart when I hear somebody go, well, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're doing these after school activities, so I need to find something on Thursday because... They have to be busy all the time or they might get in trouble. Kids don't need to be busy every day all the time. Your weekend does not have to be filled with activities. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm saying you need to allow your kids to see you worship at home, to see their home as a place that you will serve the Lord as a place to spend time with God and time with family. I can tell you, and I asked two of my children yesterday, and I think if you asked any of them today, what were your memories as a childhood? Because all of mine are grown adults now. Everything they brought up were family times. My son didn't say time at the baseball field. My daughter didn't say time at dance or in drama or on the band field. They were bringing up things that they did as a child. And some, at times when we didn't have any money, 
All we could do is go camping. But that was the first thing they brought up when we went camping, when we went to the KOA. It was important for them to spend time with their parents. And it was important for them to understand that we were, as a team, together and we could dwell. So make sure your life isn't so busy with your other stuff going on that you're not teaching your kids that being home is good and to dwell in your home is good. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then alone in stillness. Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. When you sit in stillness, when you sit in quiet alone, God's going to speak to you. He wants to be with you. He wants that one-on-one -on -one time with you. But he is not going to push himself on you. He wants to be alone with you. He wants to speak to you. Maybe a thought up here, but he also wants to speak to your heart. Who you are. The dreams he has for you. Maybe a message he only has for you that nobody else knows. Maybe those things that you have been praying for, he's got answers to give you. Or maybe it's just to sit and be content. But be still and dwell in his presence. Because he dwells in you. And he wants you to say, here I am, God. I'm alone. Just you and me. Speak to me. Speak to my heart. And here's where... Number four, the confession has to lie. This one is the hardest for me. So here we go. In your Sabbath, in your rest. We have to rest. God calls us to rest. Genesis 2, 2 and 3 is where God made, took the seventh day and made it holy. By the seventh day, God had finished all of the work he had done. He rested from all of his work, and then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all of the work of creating, the creating he had done. But, you know what? Think about it. That was the seventh day, and it was a day of rest. But the day before... He created man. So it wasn't Adam and Eve's seventh day. They didn't work and do the things God created to then rest on the seventh day. They rested with God in God's presence on their first day. So we should not be working and striving out of restlessness and out of exhaustion. We should be beginning out of rest with God. 
So where do I lie in that? I'm horrible at resting. I'm horrible at it. Because there are too many things to do, too many things that need to happen. You know, there's always the laundry and the cooking, and then, yes, I have work here because this is my job, and um, I have friends that might need my help, and I can't even sit at nighttime and watch a movie with my family without doing laundry or this or that. And God just kind of hit me between the eyes one day. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Resting is a commandment. Resting is not an option. You know, I can follow the thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, but why can't I follow the resting? Why is that any different than any of the other nine commandments? It's not. And I said to God one day when he kind of hit me through right here with that, I was like, God, I got too many things to do. Why? Why? You know everything on my plate. You know everything I have to do. I'm just too busy. And he said to me, in the stillness, you're not too busy. You have to understand that you're worthy of it. I didn't find myself worthy enough to rest. I didn't find myself worthy enough to stop and do nothing. Because everybody else has expectations of me, and I have to fulfill those expectations. So why am I not fulfilling the expectation of God in my life? To rest. That was an eye-opener for me. And I say that because maybe some of you are in the same place. You can't rest. And why can't you rest? That's between you and God. But you are worthy. You're worthy of rest. Now, your rest might look different than my rest. There are times when I'll sit at home and do nothing. But because that's hard for me, sometimes my rest is sitting in the chair doing crochet because that's how I will stop. That's how I will slow down. I still need something to do. Sometimes my rest might be, and we just did it a couple months ago, going to the sunflower fields with my kids because that refreshed me. So our day of rest might look different. It might be a day for you just to sit home and do nothing, but it might be a day that you do something to just rejuvenate who you are. So we all rest differently, but we are to rest. So those four ways, corporate worship, in your home, in your stillness, and in your rest, are all ways to dwell with God. And it's important that you dwell with your creator, with the one who has called you as his child that is within you. Because the God who is everywhere longs to be somewhere.
and that's with you. And we should not see the time with God, our time of dwelling, our time of rest. We should not see it as a chore. It's not a chore. It's an honor. It's a privilege to dwell with God. And Bruce, I would like to actually end this service with a couple more worship songs. I would like you to dwell. I would like you to be here and be in his presence. And if any of these four things really kind of touched you, pray about it. Talk God maybe to God about how maybe you can do it better, easier. Understand it. Because it's important that you dwell with him because that's part of your relationship with him. Parents, don't run get your kids. Your kids are okay. I promise. Any Sunday morning, if you're here at the altar, don't run get your kids. They're taken care of. Stand here, sit here, rest here, and dwell with God for a song or two before we end the service. Turn.